0: After, in um, this event that takes place um, at the hometown of Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, uh, so Capernaum, um, and the scripture reads in Mark 1:21 through 28, and they went to Capernaum. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, "'What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? "'Have you come to destroy us? "'I know who you are, the Holy One of God. "'Be quiet,' said Jesus sternly. "'Come out of him.' "'The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. "'The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, "'What is this, a new teaching and with authority? "'He has even given orders to evil spirits, and they obey him.' News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may see the common thread that weaves us together. We may know that your authority is what allows us to come and worship you. It is by your grace and glory that we come and honor you today, knowing that nothing on earth can stop us from being here. We are here because of your authority. Let us claim that authority in our own lives, that we may put all things under your feet and know that you are the Lord of our life, the Lord of all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We live in a land now here in America that questions authority each and every day. It's not uncommon to watch the news and see authority of police, teachers, enforcement of law, Others in different areas that are now being questioned. The nation is going through an upheaval of identity, trying to understand the nature of authority. This happened to the church a while back. <laughs> Used to, uh, people, would, uh, they would come to the preacher to pray for rain. They don't do that now. They go to the Weather Channel or to Google. It's The authority has been taken away in so many ways, but let's look at what true authority is that cannot be taken away by temporal or earthly measure. And hopefully through this process, all week long I battled this scripture because this is an interesting scripture. Uh, It's not often that you can say you've been to where the scripture took place. If you will, Brad, uh, go and put the picture up. Uh, There it is right there. I told you I was going to entertain you one day and show you a younger version of me. That's my brother to the right, right? And he went on from this picture. This was taken in 91 to go on in a career in the Marine Corps as a Navy chaplain, served in the war. Uh, He went through a lot of stuff, and he's now retired from the Navy, and he's going to retire this June as a pastor of a church. He's up in Norlina, the northern part of our state in our conference. And that's me to the left. You can see me. There's me with my dark hair and the whole bit. Well, this picture, some of you are saying he looks a little bit like Elvis. Well, maybe a little bit. (laughs) Uh, and believe me, in the shower, I sound just like them. I do. Uh, now, no one else thinks that, but I do. Um, but that picture was taken, uh, and that is here. So a Capernaum at the synagogue, the very scripture we're reading about. Now, what you see was built about 1,000 A.D., the synagogue, the relics there, this, the, you see the pillars and the stone. But the foundation is the original foundation that Jesus he preached from. And I remember this because in the background, you see over my brother's shoulder, there's, a, there's an opening for a door. Well, I went through that door right before this picture was taken. You can even see on my forehead, there's a big bruise. Uh, I almost knocked myself out of that door. I mean, I walked in, and there must have been short people back then, because I've, I walked into the door, and that stone hit me right in the center of my forehead and knocked me backwards. And so that picture's taken while I'm just kind of hit like I was in football. I was kind of dazed when this picture was taken. But I remember this because it's not often you can preach about where you've been. And this is the home church of Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and also James and John, the first four disciples. This is the church that Jesus is preaching at this particular day. Now often when preachers, they deal with this scripture they deal with the man who had the devil in him <laughs> in the congregation. And they'll start talking about it, and they'll always you know, make a scene out of it. But we're not going to deal so much with the man with the devil in the congregation because uh, that's just not our point today. Our point is what Jesus was doing that day. Uh, I remember it well. You see, my brother's holding the Bible. He had just given uh, a, so a devotion. And me, um, I'm just kind of riding shotgun, having fun and the whole bit. And over there with the church groups, and we're seeing this holy land, this place that God, uh, that he frequented and he walked the land that we now look at as a place that, uh, is the, uh, it's the navel of the world. It's So much happens in this very place, this very small uh, place that doesn't seem of great consequence, yet we know God has used this place with these people in a particular way to establish covenant, and he used it to also show his authority over all things. So in this scripture, we're gonna look at Jesus, he went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came or the holy day of the Jewish people, he went to this synagogue uh, and he began to teach. So the first step of authority is to teach, to show that one has mastery of the subject. In other words, uh, when one teaches, it has authority. And I can tell you some of the most authoritative figures in my history have been teachers. Teachers are something, aren't they? Uh, now, we got a lot of retired teachers or teachers in our midst. How many your teachers? Raise your hands. Look, look at all these teachers. Now, everybody else got homework assignments. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I remember every year with Leona, uh, she, would, she would put her rules by the door. You ever, I don't even know if teachers put rules. Do they still put rules by the door now? Uh, you kids, uh, do you get a piece of paper with the rules of the teacher? I don't even know if you do that anymore. They probably send it online or have it some way like that. When well, the older days, they put the rules by the door, and some were common rules, like you won't pull somebody's hair or you won't do something rude or something like that. And for some reason, teachers, they had just great authority. And for some reason also, I remember a lot of times I had to stay afterwards and write on the board. And I will not do whatever it was, the, whatever the, you know, in the thing was I did, uh, talk in class or do something or get up and walk around or say something not nice. And, and I had to do it quite a lot. And, and I don't know why I think the teacher enjoyed my company, but I would stay after class and I would write down the board, we'll, 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 we'll write down the board because I had to do it my way. I wouldn't write out the whole sentence, that's boring, you know. My arm would tire out, so I would make it a game where I would eye-eye, and then I would checkered it across, and I would come up with different, you know, designs to keep it where it was fun and active. And I think the, you know, teacher that made me do it, she was my sixth-grade teacher. Her name was Miss Pittman. God bless her. Uh, She just, I think she enjoyed me being there, but she practiced her authority with great, uh, so with great accomplishment. She was good at her authority. She was a teacher and she was teaching us and she was teaching with authority. Well, Jesus is now starting his earthly ministry and he goes to the home church of the very disciples he's calling and he teaches and that teaching is amazing to people who are listening because they haven't been used to this. They've just been hearing the same old, same old. In other words, they weren't hearing the gospel. They weren't hearing the truth. They were hearing just people just filling up time. You, you don't come to church to hear somebody just fill up time. You hear it. You, you come to hear the gospel, the good news, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is our salvation, he is our hope. There is a purpose for this. When I was ordained uh, years ago at Methodist College, uh, just our bishop then was Bishop C.P. Minnick. Some of you remember Bishop Minnick. Uh, well, the uh, host bishop we had, or the one we were hosting, was Bishop Joe Bethake. Some of you remembered Bishop Joe Bethay, and he preached the ordination sermon. And I'll never forget the sermon because he would grab hold of the pulpit like this, and he'd lean over, and he'd say, Take thou the authority. And I was sitting right down there with the other ordinands, with the different ones who were being ordained. There was a big class of us. And he was saying, take thou the authority. And he was preaching and grabbing the pulpit. And he was saying, you got to understand that you don't stand on your own. You stand on each other's shoulders. There was a preacher before you. There'll be a preacher after you. Remember, take thou the authority. He was saying, if you don't take it, someone else will. So you're called by God to take the authority. And, and I tell you, I left that sermon after he preached and I was ordained. I was ready to take on the whole world. I was ready to take the authority. And no sooner did I try to take the authority, and people with the authority told me to be quiet, to go away. Now I could be that my pride was in the way, and I felt like I could do it. For, for some reason, uh, there's a stage in life when you think you're smarter than your parents. Uh, you think you're smarter than those with authority. You think you know better. And, and there's certainly some things that, uh, that have been done that don't make much sense. Did you know basketball. This great sport that we love in North Carolina, it's, it's a wonderful sport. For the first year or so, they played basketball. There was one man, his job was to stand on top of a ladder and retrieve the ball out of the basket because there weren't a hole in the bottom and there weren't even a net. There was a basket. So for one year, somebody out in Kansas, their job was to stand on top of the ladder every time they made a shot and they would retrieve the ball and they would give it back to him. Now, of course, they got rid of his job because that just didn't make any sense. Sometimes your simple answer is the best answer. It's Occam's razor. It's his teaching that the simplest answer is the best answer. And in this case, it was to cut a hole in the bottom so the ball would go through it. And here at Capernaum, they're going to worship, and suddenly Jesus shows up, and he begins to teach with authority, and the people are amazed because they aren't used to somebody speaking with that authority. Now, what is that authority? What is the basis of it? It's not just teaching, it's clarity. Jesus is making clear what's going on. He's saying, I'm here, I'm the one, and you need to listen to me. He's saying, I am the fulfillment of this law you've been teaching in this synagogue. He's saying to the people, you have to come through me to go to the Father. He is speaking with great authority. And then a man in the synagogue, one of the members of the church, they have an evil spirit. Now, what that evil spirit is is obvious. Their evil spirit is that they think they're in charge Uh. You ever, you ever met anybody that felt like they were in charge and, and, uh, you, and you try to get something done and you have to go through them because they're the person with the authority and we have constant battle uh, with that. Now the other night, uh, as Leona had to take Hannah up to the emergency room at Chapel Hill. Hannah's not been doing well, a lot of students aren't doing well. This flu is really a strange flu and she's up there and in the next room there is a man who's not doing well and his wife is there, and the man is going, they're not doing me any good. They're killing me up here. I've got to leave. Val, you got to do something about it. His wife's name was Val. And he said, Val, you got to do something about it. They're killing me. i got to get out of here. Now, Leon is listening in on the conversation because the man's getting loud. And he said, and I'm going to get loud because I'm upset. And, and Val, you got to do something. And finally, Val says, the wife says, you have sufficiently shown your authority. And then he quieted right down. <laughs> there are moments when you're sick that you just need to just let others help you. And this man, he was trying to be sick and have authority at the same time, and you can't do that. You, you, you have to be sick. If you're sick, be sick. I, I used to know how to be sick, because when you're sick you're sick and you get ice cream and you get treated well. And and Lord, it would be nice to go back in time. Uh, And there were moments when I went to school that I had a stomach ache before I went to school and I'd go, mama, I don't feel like I can go today. And she'd say, you're sick. So you got to go in there and get in bed. And daddy's in there mumbling. He's just pretending. He's not, he's not, he's not uh, sick. He's well, Uh, we need to get him up working. And dad, he circled back through and say, you get away with it today. Your mama, uh, she let you off the hook but tomorrow you're going to be back on the you know just the work list Uh, and see I loved it when my mother had authority because she had a clarity about her authority to get me well and she had a compassion with her authority. Some people enjoy their authority too much and they enjoy it in a negative way. They're like Barney Fife. You, you, You remember Barney Fife on Andy Griffin, you may bury He was given one bullet. It was in his pocket. He had authority, and he would try to exercise that authority. If you think about it, every episode he's in, it's always about him taking authority that he doesn't actually deserve. And this man in the church apparently has been taking authority that was not his authority, and he uh, realizes that Jesus has just come messed up his situation. Jesus has come into his life and said, I am the Lord, and you are not. And you need to listen to me, Jesus is saying. Now, I know the world doesn't want to hear that right now. I know the world wants to have its own way and have its own authority. But I'm going to tell you right now, you'll never get justice in this world. There is no such thing as justice. I've tried to find justice, but you go to the Supreme Court up in Washington, D.C., and you walk across from the Methodist building there, where where our Methodist building is located is the Supreme Court. And out in front of the Supreme Court, there's a statue of justice. She is a beautiful lady, but she's blindfolded. And in her hand, she holds the scale, and, and she tries to choose and balance. But the truth is, our justice is blind because it's based on laws that are antiquated and do not fit the situation. Nobody knows the journey we've been through on this earth. They don't know what trials and tribulations we've been through. We don't know what that man in the hospital who's crying out for vow to help him his wife what he's been through and how he feels and how he's hurting so much. See, we don't know that. That's why justice isn't fair. People say they want justice and they think vengeance is justice. Vengeance is never justice. Vengeance belongs to God. We don't need to want vengeance on people. We need to have mercy and compassion upon them knowing that God would deal with them. See, Jesus is teaching with great authority. He's saying to these people in that church, you thought you knew it, but you know nothing about the kingdom I'm talking about. The kingdom I am the Lord of is a kingdom of justice. It's a kingdom of compassion. It's a kingdom that's clear about what is teaching. So Jesus is saying this, and this man with the spirit cries out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now notice that Jesus doesn't get into a dialogue with the man. Notice he doesn't get into uh, somehow this relationship, a conversation with the man. He knows the man's objective is to take him off his task. In fact, that's one of the things we used to love to do to substitute school teachers. You children don't do this. We'd get them down a rabbit trail, you know. And nothing like some, you know, young gun substitute coming there and you'd get them talking about something and pretty soon you don't even have to do your lesson. You get them down a rabbit trail. See, See, this man's trying to get Jesus off his task. Jesus is there for a specific reason. He's there because his first four disciples come from this church. And he's there to make sure this church understands the Lord is here. Just like the song it shared, the Lord is here. And so Jesus tells the man to be quiet, to be quiet. I remember one day years ago when I was sitting there with my uncle and I was just rattling on talking about something. I don't know what it was. It was probably chickens. I have no idea what it was about because he had some chickens and I was an expert on chickens I'd read. I even had a, I had a merit badge in Boy Scouts and chickens. I did poultry raising. I raised 101 biddies uh, from the time they were little and really my mama helped raise them. But I tended to them some. But I got my merit badge and I was telling my uncle how much I knew about chickens and the history of chickens and how chickens had been domesticated and how they were processed and how different types of food. I, uh, you know, I should have known I I was going to be a preacher because I knew everything there was to know about chickens. And my uncle, he was drinking a glass of tea, and he said, Are you finished club? And I just went on, and he finally just took the tea and just threw it right in my face. And I quieted down. And I said, What would you do that for? And he said, You talk too much sometimes. <laughs> then I got mad, and I started pouting. And uh, so he called his wife and, uh, and said, Cook him some sausage. He wants some sausage. That's what I wanted. That's how he said it, Sausage. See, authority isn't the ability to pretend. It's this gift that God gives. And Jesus tells him to be quiet, and he says it sternly. He says to the spirit, come out of him. And the man started shaking. Now, we in the Western world, we, we don't understand this demonic possession like people in other parts of the world do. In fact, this past week, a priest sent a note to the pope asking for more funding to deal with demonic possessions. And the reason is in South America and Africa, they're having to deal with a lot of the demonic possession uh, ways that we find in the scripture. In, in, in our culture, we don't uh, see it in the same way. And the truth is, is do not doubt that there are powers and principalities that we do not see. Do not doubt it one bit. And the reason, we shouldn't doubt it, as I guarantee if everything starts going right, the devil's going to get involved to make something go wrong. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, Mr. Pat? Come into church today and what's happened? We got a flood going on. But we got people of God down there dealing with it, and we're trying to work our way through it. See, see, it's like the way life is, is that we have obstacles and we have adversity. Uh, and true, if you give authority and, and quit watching those bad movies, quit watching those horror movies. Zombies are no good. Ghosts are no good. Do not watch those movies. Some people say, I love those movies. I, it's like in those movies, there's a bad spirit. And the spirit is saying to the family, get out the house. That's what the spirit is saying. And people in that house, oh, did you hear that? I don't know what that was. Oh, let's pretend like it weren't there. And pretty soon one thing happens and another thing happens. And somebody appears and the whole bit. And, and I'll tell you right now, something tells me to get out the house. Guess what I'm doing? I'm getting out of the house. And I'm calling the parsonage committee saying, I'm not going to live here till you get rid of this. They've been doing AC work over at the parsonage now for a few days, they're trying to get the AC working. It's been there 17 years or so and it's worked well, but it's about to give up the ghost now. And why? the man was underneath the parsonage the other day and he come up there and he told me, and he said, I want you to know there's a bunch of snake skins underneath your house. (laughs) I said, what? He said, snake skins. I said, what kind? He said, I don't know, copperheads? I don't know. And I said, no, I don't think they're copperheads. I think they're water snakes. And the whole time I'm telling myself, Lord, have mercy. What did I do? I called Mr. Johnny. Where's Mr. Johnny? I did, didn't I? Or he called me. Didn't you call me? I think it was. And I, I said, Johnny, and, and there's been snakes underneath there. And, and, and he said he was going to research it. So, so Mr. Johnny is going to research. Now, down home, we put sulfur out. Uh, and we say a little prayer. <laughs> to, because I, I, don't, I don't like snakes. Uh, I just don't like them. Um, I I was preaching one time at a church near Lumberton and I was preaching and people started moving and I thought the spirit had them and I preached harder and they started getting up and I said, Lord, they caught the spirit and I started preaching harder and then they started leaving and I went, what is going on? And little did I know, but a snake had crawled up through the floor and cleared out three rows of people and they were running out with their hands waving. And it was just a little snake is what the man said who called it. He was an ex-Marine. He said, just a little snake. And I said, it don't take a big snake to make people move. See, in the scripture, uh, there's always a snake. There's always a problem. We don't have any place on earth. We don't have problems. Even the most perfect of moments can have problems. Even weddings can have problems. And Lord knows I've seen weddings have issues. I've seen even services of death and resurrection. See, the problem is not the problem. The problem is the solution of how do we deal with the trials and tribulations of life? How do we deal with it when just when we got it figured out, something up and breaks again? It's called plan obsolescence in business class that I took over at Methodist. They say that they make the tires to go out as soon as the warranty goes out. It's that things on earth are planned to end. God didn't make us eternal. Do we want this eternal? Do we want the troubles and the trials and the tribulations that we have to be eternal? I know life is a blessing. I know it's a wonderful gift. But I'll tell you right now, it's starting to get old to me in some of these ways. People going here and people going there and people living in sin and people doing what they're not supposed to be doing and then living with the consequences. How many times have people got to fall down till they figure out how to get up? I'm tired of how the world is so broken and it doesn't want to bow down to God. I'm just like a prophet. I'm I'm just tired of it. And I walk through the streets and I say, you need to be saved. And then God does his miracle and he helps us to be saved. So this man uh, has been leading the church astray. Yet out of this church that's troubled, Jesus calls his first four disciples and he tells the man to be quiet, to come out of him. And the spirit leaves the man, it leaves the man with a shriek, it says, with a scream. And the people were all so astonished they didn't know what to do. They were shaken to the core. They were amazed. They said, what is this, a new teaching, and it's with authority? And so Jesus is making clear in this scripture that he is establishing himself as the authority of the church. He is saying every problem can be dealt with by the church, by his presence in the church, this evening, we're going to a meeting, Ms. Norma and I call The Way Forward. It's a way that the church is trying to deal with the postmodern landscape and how people have different ideas, and we're going to hear what the different ways are going to be that are going to come out of the special called General Conference, and churches now are starting to battle, and everybody's taking a side. Have you ever wondered what's going on that everybody's fighting everybody right now? Why isn't our culture at war with itself? I mean, we got people, men against women, women against men, children against parents, parents against children, the left against the right, and the right against the left. The reason is the devil is dividing us, and Jesus is uniting us. Jesus is saying to the church, understand, I am the Lord. I'm the final word, and I love it when I serve a church, but not all churches I served have been that way. There's been some that no matter what happened, there was always somebody in the church who had the final say. And the truth is, when we do that, we limit the grace that God does in our midst. Sisters and brothers, it'll get fixed, it'll get done. There'll be a new AC, there'll be new pipes, we'll stop the water leaking, we'll get the parsonage going, we'll build this building over here, we'll do what needs to be done. There's no doubt God will help us to do that. And as Jesus is establishing that model, and he says, what is this, a new teaching with authority? I want you to go back to that picture, Brad, because that picture, that's that's an interesting picture. Little did we know when we took that picture in 1991 that my brother would end up on a battlefield over in Iraq and that I would end up designing the main websites of the Methodist Church. At that point, we were both young pastors. We had to haul the world ahead of us. Little did we know that now we would be older and our parents have passed and gone on to be with God, and here we are at this moment in our life helping to find out where we are and to help others to find out where they are and where we're all going together. See, Jesus, he gave orders and the evil, it obeyed him. And I tell you right now, there is no evil that exists that the word of God cannot turn aside. So if the devil gets in your way, you tell him to get out of your way. You do what God would have you do. And the news about Jesus is spread throughout the whole region of Galilee. And people started saying, This man is not only healing people, he's teaching them with great authority. And he is the authority. And that authority is his love and his compassion. As we gather here on this day, we need to understand that Jesus is the Word of God, he is the Word of great authority. And if it comes to push, comes to shove, and you don't know what to do, and you're at your wit's end, just stop and pray in the name of Jesus. And it's powerful what the name of Jesus can do. Let us pray. Dear Lord, help us to understand and claim this authority in your holy name. In the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, help our lives be clear and pure. In the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, help us live what we're supposed to live each and every day, a life worthy of your grace and love. Oh Lord, help us in your name to be the church we are called to be, and let nothing stop us from what we are called to do. Lord, let us know in this world we live that in your name we can face it each and every day, and no matter what the difficulty is, we can call on you and you will be there for us through every moment, every step. And Lord, when the times they get hard in our life and we're not sure what we're going to do next, and we're at the end of our rope, and it seems we have no option. Oh, Lord, in your name, your authority, open up a door that we may see peace and hope. And Lord, when we're carrying a burden that's heavy and a sickness that's breaking our heart or the ones we love. Oh, Lord, help us to be healed and help us to be anew in your spirit. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen.